Hello and welcome to Carfiller's Radio. Another week gone by. Another week for the show. We don't have any opening music, so I'm going to sing it now. Joseph Robertson here with Coffee Lovers Magazine, and I'm joined by Jesse Nelson. Conduit Coffee. Should we do a? <sighs> should we do? <laughs> should we do the Coffee Lovers Radio musical? A lot of guest stars. We'll get fake Jesse in there. Fake Jesse. John and fake John. What does fake Jesse sound like? It's just not Jesse. It'd just be someone completely different. It was an opera. It did. <laughs> you, you apparently didn't like my opera opening. This side. Tell me. <laughs> tell me, Jesse, about single origins and blends. Oh, a blend is a blend of single origin espressos. Um, of single origin espressos? <laughs> it's a blend of single origins, which is totally true. A blend is where you combine coffees that come from different regions of the world or different estates for presumably, um, you know, summers, the, the holes. What am I trying to say? Summer of holes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, so, there's obviously been a huge push on single origins in the past several years. I think maybe that like has kind of tapered out. No. Maybe? Or is it still no, pretty I, like... No, it's, it's totally still expanding. I think people yeah. are being less ferocious about it. They got it. I mean, I don't know. There's waves of people that were so adamant that they get single origin. So well, they get, you now, have, you now have a blend and then you have single it. origins. Yeah. Single origins, um, it's kind of a deceiving name because there's single varieties and then there's single origins. There origins also come single from, estates. There's single estates um, and then single you know, lots within estates. But there, so there's, there is a technical definition of a single origin though. Uh, maybe, no, I wouldn't say so. No, okay. I mean, a single origin could technically be Guatemala. You know, it just depends on what you want to mm. have as your... Okay. Um, I think, you know, I think in realistic world, kind of where we are with single origins, you want to get down to like the washing station or the, the farm, if not, you know, yeah. what the new trend now is to have the farmer himself, his name, because sometimes the owners are the same or the farms are the same, but they have different growers that are specializing in different types of coffee or different types of processes at the farm. Um, the, our Sonora with the different... Uh, and what, what is the point of a single origin? Uh, ideally, you're getting, you're isolating down to a much more specific um, coffee... Um, like a, a, I'm like, geez, losing all of my words today. Maybe like, if uh, you <laughs> sang it. <laughs> Maybe that's the problem. <laughs> so the idea of the single origin is to just have a coffee that comes from like one unique farm, one unique region, sub-region, um, and even down to the lot. And some, some coffees are, are, you know, like on a, on a single farm, for instance, we have, we have two coffees from the same farm, mm -hmm. but they're both, um, they're both grown in separate lots and they're separate varieties. And so sometimes the farmers do that to help with disease. So they have more insurance. So if the disease affects one, then they won't lose everything. Um, but as the farmers are getting more scientific, they're actually creating separate lots that are very, very different coffees. And so that's so the point of a single origin is that you can get into that specific coffee. You can get into a specific, uh, like a red bourbon from El Salvador, something I'm always looking for for our espresso blend. You know, it's a flavor I really love. Um, can, you so, just, can you describe, is this a general flavor of red bourbon El Salvador? It, it kind of is, yeah. I mean, I, what I've had like versus a red bourbon from Guatemala, um, mm -hmm. 
it, it, the elevations are different, the climate's different. Can you um, can you maybe give us a picture of what Red Bourbon El Salvador is like in general versus? It tends to be a little bit more um, kind of, uh, well, so for our purposes for using espresso, I'm trying to bring out like a lot more of the kind of the fudge mm-hmm. side of it um, versus like a dark chocolate. Like, okay. To me, it seems a little bit more milky mm-hmm. and a little bit more smooth, um, which is great as an espresso. Um, it tastes great with milk um, versus something that's going to be a little bit more bitter and a little bit okay. sharp, like a dark chocolate or a baker's chocolate. And so red, bur- red bourbon is the variety. Yep. El Salvador versus is Versus like a yellow bourbon. Country, um, of course. It's spelled like bourbon. If you ever see that on a bag, it's pronounced bourbon in coffee, and it's a it's a type of coffee tree. Mm-hmm. Comes from typical. Uh, so, would you consider just a red bourbon El Salvador to be a single origin? Um, or would well, they, you? They, I mean, technically, yes, I would because you're not going to have a blend from all over the country of all the red bourbons in the country. Like they would never separate that. I mean, there'd be an El Salvador coffee, or you'd have it separated out. Pretty much everyone though goes down to as as narrow as they can. Like if it's to a washing station or a co-op. Yeah, it's just do, whether or if they can go all the way to the farm. Why wouldn't you say it's it's, it's because you're if as a coffee company, a coffee roasting, your scale is such and your clientele is such that they don't care. Right? That's true. And so when you get to be so big, and it's like, well, we'd have to buy, we'd have to buy coffee from 400 individual farmers, or we're just going to go to the the you know the major commodity mm-hmm. line or whatever, go to the, the the brokers and stuff like that that are doing that legwork, or they go to the bigger farms and have it. It would so, be really, so for us, like at our scale, in our tiny little scale of conduit, yeah. we can separate those. You know, we bought that entire lot of the Costa Rica. Mm-hmm. It was seven bags. It would be really interesting to see some of the larger roasters who essentially do that, like go buy, you know, this you know this one coffee oh, yeah. from four hundred or two thousand different farmers, and then represent every single one of them. So, I mean, you, you you're seeing that to, more with Stumptown and Intelligentsia and these yeah. companies that are actually doing that. I mean, they, they have been doing that where they're involved with farms. Think at El Inherto, um, Stumptown's farm. I mean, they've been working with them for 14 years or something like mm-hmm. that, working on their coffee quality and the land and the schools and the roads and the equipment and everything and improving it. Now it's just a ridiculously incredible coffee. Yeah. Um, and a really good story, you know, and they're fairly large because they have to be large enough to produce for somebody like Stumptown. Mm-hmm. But they're not large in the grand scheme. Of um, so I think that you know, with the with the surge in single origins, I think there's been maybe some 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 people look down on blends totally. as a bit inferior. And I think to a certain degree, maybe there's maybe there's some cause for that. I mean, we could talk about kind of like the origins of like you look at blends as a blend of single origins because that's what you do, right? But I think that uh, the the idea of a blend. His original purpose was was not to hide those origins. Was yeah, was to hide well hide the defects number right. one or the, yeah. or to create um, create consistency on a large scale. Well, if you have or, a blend of like five or six different coffees, you always have a Brazil, Guatemala, and all these things like that. And then there's some blight, or there's you know a war, or mm-hmm. prices shoot up, or whatever. Then you need to replace that coffee with something else. Then a smaller portion and you can sort of just make up those flavors you know you can't get in Sumatra and maybe you can kind of up the up the Guatemalan and get some Papua New Guinea in there or something like that and they can kind of make up some of those differences uh, certainly you know. and, and what but what like uh, folks like you were making like really high quality blends 
I are love made blending. around. I mean, like you, you essentially, this is my perspective, if I may impose my perspective <laughs> sure. on the show. Uh, you, you create, your blends, you create a particular um, relative taste experience. So your, um, your Westlake has a particular taste experience right. that the coffees might shift in that blend, but it's always the Westlake and it always kind of it's always like I'm that. going for milk chocolate mm. you know caramel some like really delicious sort of it's a it's our lighter medium roast yeah um, uh, and the same can be said for for the other yep. two as well and some of the brew method like our espresso blend like there's definitely a brew method involved in that process as well yeah. of what I'm going for the loco has like. always been like relatively like it, it's always relatively similar when you shift it up but you've made some I think you've made some dramatic changes over the years with that I have. I've experimented. Yeah. Uh, I used to be experiment a lot more, um, but then we've I've grown into making new blends. Yeah. You know, now that we've grown and we have we can market this stuff differently. We uh, so I have a kind of seasonal blends. We have the spring blossom. Yeah. Um, we have our winter lake every winter. And, and oh, I'm looking forward to that. When is yeah. the winter lake? What's going to be in the winter lake this year? I'm not do we know you. yet? Okay. I do know. <laughs> Maybe. Um, and those are really fun blends yeah. because there's actually something going in there, you know, and, and some people are really confused and I don't understand why, honestly, but they're confused at why I'd put like, you know, a beautiful Ethiopian into a blend. They're like, it's so good on its own. It's like, well, yeah, of course it, it is, is, but, but it also, also plays really, really well with yeah. that, you know, milk chocolate Peru, yeah. you know, like this is what we're putting into it. It's like pairing foods. Right. You obviously you want to pair things that are really delicious on their own, but they create an entirely new experience together. Right, and that's the point. I don't yeah. understand why there's so much negative thing, at, like attention towards, especially in this in our foodie sort of world. And I think it's just the illusion that blends are going to disconnect you from the things that we find important about single origins, that they're traceable and and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And that's sort of true, but it's also a different clientele, it's a different customer that you're going for with a blend versus. A it doesn't blend. have to be less traceable, though. I mean, I think no. you make you make the the information on on the origins of your coffees as available as possible, right? Yeah, as much as we can muster, just with our limited yeah publishing department. Well, I mean, if for example, but if somebody I would emailed come me, to you yeah. and say, I mean, what's in the Westlake and where did each of those coffees come from? Yeah, then you we, give yeah. me and and Everybody's you, always welcome to email me, and we have all the information yeah. all traceable from the. And since you get the your coffees through um, importers who care about that sort of thing then they likely have connection all the way back to the farmers, I think, yep. in most cases, right? Oh, I get pictures of the farmers and their kids and stuff yeah. like that, usually with the coffees. And we have these direct trade coffees now, too. It's fun. Yeah, that's really exciting. Where's the... You showed me a bag that said, what is it, the Sonora coffee prepared for Oh, direct Kondo trade coffee. for Kondo direct coffee, trade for Kondo coffee On the bag? That's yeah. really cool. <laughs> that is the definition of direct trade. It is. When the farmer said... Right, Hand science, <laughs> the coffee bag for you. So I mean, there is a craze for single origins, and it's great because it's sort of like the local food craze. Like, connect yourself to the food and to what you're drinking. Well, and see, that's I really important. I think it's really cool when you get familiar with single origins. You have like an Ethiopian here, uh, Kenya, uh, Bolivia. You go and have El Salvador and Colombia and Costa Rica, and you get familiar with the differences in all these, and how Brazil is nutty and blah blah blah. All these other things. And then, and then you start maybe having a blend. You get like the spring blossom, which has uh, the Peru and the Ethiopia. Yeah. And you're like, oh yeah, I can taste, I can taste the the berry in this, and I can taste the chocolate 
Yeah, when you when you get familiar with with the single origins, and then you start exploring blends of these interesting. Coffee, oh, it's amazing! It really opens up your eyes to. I mean, I can walk into a diner and take a sip of their coffee, and I'll know what's in that yeah. blend. Well, and, there's characteristics of those origins that are yeah that. And a lot of blends are what we're used to tasting in a blend. I mean, I learned, I, our local focus initially started way back when, when we were kind of experimenting. We barely had an espresso machine here. And we were working at the Fremont Farmer's Market and using their cart and just giving them coffee. And it started off with the Sweet Maria's recommended mm -hmm. espresso blend on their website. I mean, that's, that's where that originated. It wasn't like, I had my own concept of what I wanted to try and where we went there. But it, you know, as far as I don't know what coffees to start with. And yeah. It's my first week being open, you know, practices, you know? <laughs> yeah, and I think yeah. that's something that a lot of people don't acknowledge that that's, that's a process that every roaster goes through. Well, I, th I think that it might have even been on uh, one of these episodes where we talked about how, particularly with the spring blossom, how the individual components changed as you combine them with each other. They accent things like peanut butter and jelly. Yeah. You know, I mean, they're. There's combinations of food that accent. Um, yeah, and it was really cool to see, like, a particular flavor in the Peru coming out stronger. <laughs> coming out stronger ha after combining it with the Ethiopia. Right. Like a flavor that I just couldn't detect as well when it was by itself. I think the the, the reverse can happen as well when you're enjoying a really good, good blend, and you're like, what makes this? taste good and then you start looking at the components right. and then you start trying them by themselves. Um, and you yeah. find those components that you enjoy. I mean, there's some parts of these coffees. And it's like... It is interesting though to see the perspective that that single origins are these, these big special things. And it's like, well, what do you think blends are made out of? Right. <laughs> you take multiple coffees and you combine them together. It's, it's like, a blend of single origins. Yeah, pretty much. But I think it in, in conversations that I've seen, for some reason, it seems like a new, almost like a new concept that people are making really high quality blends around a particular flavor profile. Right. And then that's what it becomes. I mean, as I've, I mean, I came into coffee a lot through the work that you did and other really excellent roasters like, you know, Velton and Kuma, and so I, I, I think maybe my perspective has been warped a bit, and I'm just like, well, yeah. The, yeah, I mean, I think that's ultimately you, what it is. But why then, why don't you blend something? <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. I mean, amazingly delicious. It's always fun to blend, and I yeah. love blending just random things, just leftover beans that we have here, and just seeing what it's like. It's like, well, that was a blend idea I had, but the coffee was, you know twice as expensive, so I wasn't going to actually do that or yeah. make it a couple times a year. That's well, what's fun yeah. about the holidays and doing some special yeah. blends like that. You, you gave me a jar of six different 90-plus uh, coffees. Oh, yeah, all those samples. Of yeah. All the 90-plus samples. All the leftover yeah. samples because there was like... We had eight, I think, Yeah. total. We kept two for tasting here. Yeah. Um, or like the cold brew we make, you know, and where we you know, get the random dose of Yemen in there and it gets all weird and boozy yeah. and delicious and, with the and you kind of get that lemon vibrance it's I mean blending's fun I think yeah. it's important for everybody to do it's it's like you could you could enjoy a, a fudge brownie but you could also enjoy a fudge brownie with like raspberry some, compote exactly mm. just take that right that's exactly now. what I thought of when you talked about the Yemen and the cold brew yeah <laughs> I'm like I'll take cherry pie with fudge on top yeah, any day of, of the week Side of sky. <laughs>
BRB. <laughs> oh, awkward laughter ends it. You have been listening to Coffee Lovers Radio. Please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Support the producers. Check out Coffee Lovers Magazine at coffeeloversmag.com and download our app. Also get yourself some fantastic coffee from Conduit Coffee at conduitcoffee.com.